Hey everyone, this is Isaac Maddox, and I'm the pastor of Activate Church, and this is our podcast. Remember, you can subscribe to our podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. I hope this message blesses you, encourages you, builds your faith, and I hope you enjoy the message. Amen. I love you so much. I love this place. Uh, I look forward to being home and just being here. And I wasn't gone last Sunday. It's like, well, you were not gone last Sunday. I was gone this week. But so it felt, felt like I was gone. And uh, it's just good to be in the presence of God. It's good to be amongst people of faith. Amen. And so step out. And whatever God's stirring in your life, you don't need to step into some, you know, take 15 steps. Just take one step this morning in regards to relationship, community, and uh, just being the church. This is what God's building. And uh, we're going to land this series on the kingdom. And someone said, finally. Okay, thank you, thank you, and uh, I want to get to some other stuff, um, but we're going to talk today and next week, and we're going to finish off this series, but I want to get into the heart of really why I preached this series. I felt God, I have to be careful in saying the God card. God told me to speak on this. Got to be careful with that, because sometimes uh, the way he leads us is often a partnership. And I did feel, I do pray about these series and say, God, what do you want to speak to the church? What do you want to, you know, deliver from your word uh, into our body right now post-COVID? This is real. The context is real. If you go to work out, which I, I work out about four or five hours a day, obviously, obviously. These don't come, well, actually, okay, these are pretty easy, yeah. Um, I don't do legs much, obviously. <laughs> but if you go to work out, it, 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 come on, we've all, we all know the story. It's kind of a played out analogy. But you do kind of like, where, it's not working, you know. I swear my biceps do not grow. I don't know. I do not have the DNA for biceps. Um, but it's the same thing. It, it, it doesn't make sense that you shut down the world for a year, year and a half, and that it should take years to recover. But I just want you to know, it, it might. I want you to treat it like working out. You're, you're going to be uh, putting things into your family, and it's going to be seed. And you might like, where's the harvest? I've been having these conversations with my teenagers, and we've been going to church, and we've been having some wins, and then there's some setbacks. And it's like, what's up? It's just, it takes some time. It is like getting in shape. We are getting our families and our world and our church back into shape. And that's not complaining. That is recognizing the context. Are you with me? So I'm shattered big amen. amen. All right. Matthew, let's go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 8. The book of Luke chapter, not 8, chapter 10. Chapter 10. Luke 10. And this is a famous story. I want to preach this morning on you've got one thing to do. Did you know that you have one thing to do? That's really quiet. Did you know that you have one thing to do? I give you permission. Just, just shout a big amen right now. Amen. Okay, then you got your, you, so you let your neighbor know that you are one of those people. Okay, Phil is one of those people. And uh, I just feel a double drum coming on Phil. So you might want to find, this, we, should, we need to go. This, we, should, we need to get praise in here this morning. Um, I might bring my tambourine next Sunday. I just feel like Tribe of Judah part two is coming back. Um, and, and, and what am I talking about? Luke chapter 10. Verse 38, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him. Who welcomed Jesus? 
It was Martha. It's very interesting. There's a lot to preach here. It, it wasn't Mary, but it was Martha that, that welcomed him into her house. Martha's the one doing a lot of good things here. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted. Someone say distracted. By a Ouija board, by worshiping Satan, by Netflix, by a bottle of wine? No. By serving. So we let ourselves off the hook with all of our distractions if they're good things. She was distracted by much serving. And she approached Jesus and said, Lord, you do not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Therefore, tell her to help me. I would love to see this. I cannot wait to see this in heaven. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha... Martha, this is Bible language for Joel Walker. Okay, this is the, like the full name. When mom used the full name to call you over, she gets a double. She gets a Martha, Martha. You are worried and troubled about many things. That's us. But one thing, someone say one thing. One thing. Is this real? Is this Jesus teaching us that one thing is needed? One thing is needed. Is it difficult to do the one thing when we really have categorized life as 50 things, 100 things, all things are equal? Not all things are equal. And there is one thing that's needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her, to sit at the feet of Jesus. And then immediately it goes into Luke 11, which is now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place. Jesus was teaching on prayer, and then he prays. We're coming back to this place of discipleship where I, I'm, I'm praying and then I'm going to publicly pray. I'm, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to let my kids see me pray. Praying is, is difficult. It's very difficult. We're going to talk about it. And then watching people or having people watch you pray is sort of another level of being self-aware. If you've been in your car and you're like, you know, you're just singing and you're just worshiping and someone drives by, you know, you're crying. How does that make you feel? I was in a very secular place uh, this week, and I was carrying my, my Bible around, and I'm not going to lie to you. It, it was just like the Bible's not supposed to be, you know, in, in, at, this, at this place. And you're like, I should just tell you, this sounds really bad. I, was, I wasn't, <laughs> where were you? Listen, I was at a strip club evangelizing, but listen, <laughs> listen. No, we happened to be at, the, I guess, Las Vegas at the Venetian for a couple days. And um, it was very funny just walking around with my Bible how I, I was like just, it was just, yeah, it was just kind of a, and I would just open it up on the table and just like I was just doing my thing. And, and uh, I feel like it's just a season of us saying, I'm going to birth prayer in your life. I'm going to birth prayer in your life. It is not one thing to do amongst 50 from the worship team to our pastors here, to our volunteers, to our entire church, God is going to birth prayer. It's not going to be like before. God's going to do something. He is going to give it to you. And we're going to talk about how that can happen this morning. Are you ready? One thing is needed. One thing is needed. Jesus, we just thank you that, that, that you're such a, you are such a good, you're such a good God. You're so good. You're for us. And oftentimes we just look at life, and a lot of things do need to be done, but one thing is needed above all else. And God, you come with your grace and you come with your word to help us prioritize, Lord, the one thing that is needed. Everything else will filter through this relationship that we have with you. It began with a prayer, and it continues with prayer, intimacy and knowing you. Lord, we pray just flood this place with your glory. Leave us never the same again, God, by your presence and by your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, everybody said Amen, amen, amen. 
How many of you grew up in church? It's my church people. Where's my non-church people? All right, awesome. Love it, love it. Um, and and, and um, if you grew up in church, you uh, recognize that the modern church is not the church that we grew up in, okay? For a lot of reasons. Uh, one reason is we went to church all day, okay? So we, we got up at church and we went to two services. And before church, we had something called pre-service prayer. A lot of our churches had schools. And so we would go to the gymnasium and anybody would pray on the carpet squares. They got some carpet squares. So you get your carpet square. And again, I'm five years old, okay? So I go into the carpet square and for 30 minutes. And you kind of have some prayer monitors, to be honest with you that are kind of making sure, you know, you're praying. So it's like, I don't care if you're five, you're going to be praying. And much as I remember, I think it was at least 30 minutes. It might have even been more. But we did pre-service prayer. We'd go to a service. And again, I'm five years old. Church in the 80s. You got to dress up. You didn't just get to roll out of bed and, like, put on a hat. You got to comb that hair. We're going into the presence of God. We're going to the house of the Lord. Amen. And so you got to find your Bible. You got to find your Bible. If you show up to church without your Bible, literally some pe- like people would stop you and be like, what's wrong? You're like, nothing. Where's your Bible? Like, have you lost your salvation? Like, you carry your sword. How can you go to battle without a sword? Amen. So you, you got to carry your sword. And you got to take notes. We used to have bulletins. And you got to, on the back, you got to take notes. And not just a couple notes. You got to take notes. You got to take some notes. Because you're going to be drilled at lunch by dad. Okay. So you got to take notes. There's no kids' church. There's no kids' church. You sit there in your seat at five years old. There's no junior Holy Spirit. There's the Holy Spirit from, five, from young to old. Amen? And so, whew. Anyway, if you feel the sense of sometimes there's a little bit of intensity. Um, but we would go home. We would eat together. It was family lunch. And then you take your nap. Okay? And then you get ready to go back to church again. Sunday night for a different service. And oftentimes it was missionaries and it was not a long service. Missionary Tom from Africa, you know, he just came off the mission field and he's got a lot to say. Amen. And they bring up the elders for missionary Tom and every single one of them has a prophetic word. And there's like 20, right? You're like, oh, goodness. So the service would tarry. And uh, this is a bit of the church of the 80s. And one thing um, that we would do is we'd sing a lot of songs that there would be, there would be like women would sing. And then like, or the men would sing. And then the women would sing. Do you, do you remember that? The, the I, I will exalt the, I will, no. I exalt, I exalt the men. And then women. I exalt the men. I exalt, you would just, that, okay, that's not really working. Oh, it is working. Oh, okay. So that's what we would do. A lot of, for like a half an hour. Half an hour, the worship would be like, all right, let's go again. Like, he is exalted. Amen. We'd be like, geez. So a lot of songs, a lot of repeating. And worship was oftentimes 45, 50, 55 minutes. This whole 22 and a half minute worship set that Hillsong invented. That we all sort of, you know, I mean, this is kind of new. It used to just, and then, and then the worship leader was much like a gym coach or, you know, all right, hands up, hands down, hands up, hands down. You know, there's a lot of like, it was a lot of workouts, which is probably a good thing. My, my point is this, is, <laughs> is we look back sometimes and we, 
you know, we kind of look down upon certain things. Like we have evolved into this place of being better. And in so many ways, I love the modern church. I believe that Jesus has truly restored the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the grace and the mercy and the love. But I also look back, and sometimes it's good to look back at your family because the family that you despised or the family that you're like, well, you know, my mom, they were okay or the church was okay. Or you, besides abuse, you, you can look back and go, you know what, it wasn't as bad as I, as I thought. And I am kind of cherish it a little bit more. I should cherish it a little bit more. It taught me a little bit more than maybe I give it credit. And we all take a lot of credit for our current Christianity because certain pastors and leaders were not perfect or we look at them and go, well, you know, they kind of did that. They, they just, they were a little heavy. They're a little legalistic about certain things. But if we look back, I think there are some foundations because if, if, if I look at modern church and I'm like, okay, so we've gone from go to church like five times a week to maybe once a month. Like, I don't know if that's winning, I mean, I don't want the, some of the legalism or the heavy of maybe the church I grew up in, but there might have been some foundations and some things that restored into my life where, okay, fine, I'll admit it. I don't want the church to feel like a bunch of have-tos. I don't want a heavy works mentality on the church. I want a Jesus-centered church, amen. But I'm wondering, fine, if, if, if and I remember this, I, we, we hear this all the time, if he's not Lord at all, or if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. Woo! Uh, that's, that's heavy lumber right there. I mean, that's a big old bat's getting swung at you. I, I remember hearing that. If he's not Lord of all, of all, he is not Lord at all. I feel all alone up here. No? You can, it's all right. You can whew, take the mask off. You can, don't have to socially distance anymore. Here we go. Here we go. You can talk to me. You can talk to me. But you know what I mean? I mean, I, that's heavy, but but is it is it is it the modern church like he's okay? The Lord is back in the eighties, and we were like going to react to that a little bit because that's intense. And then he's is he just savior now, and, and and he just wants to rescue you and love you no matter what. I'm just wondering if if the church back then was here's all that you have to do, and then modern churches you don't have to do anything. I don't know if that's winning. I'm wondering if we can let go of some of the heavy and the legalism, but also embrace, hold on, is this the fullness of the gospel? Can he be Lord and Savior? And, and because that's what the Bible says. And I'm, I'm wondering if we've dropped the Lord because of the legalism. And, and just because there was some legalism or some heavy or some whatever, some things that we didn't disagree or we didn't agree with, doesn't mean we can't drop the full name of Jesus Christ, that he is my personal Lord and Savior. And somehow we went all in with the Savior, let go of the king part, and we made him concierge. So Jesus is my personal concierge and Savior. And he just does everything. He just orders everything. He books rooms. He just does everything. And it doesn't matter what I do he's my concierge and savior but that's not what the Bible says the Bible says in Luke 2 11, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord someone say Lord, Lord. but the but but the problem is as mature believers we need to understand that we don't need to preach Lord as some sort of external force 
of heavy, revy condemnation to young people say he needs to be Lord at all. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And you need to, you need to get your act together. You need to figure out to stop sinning. You need to, no, no, I, I love the fact that he is Savior. I love that the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. I love that the gospel is not love God, it's God loves you. I love the restoration of that. But I'm wondering if we need to pick back up a little bit of the Lordship because people are understanding or they're a little bit confused on why more things aren't happening in their life. But the truth of it is, is you are Lord of your life. He gave you free choice. And until you give him lordship, he will not rule and reign. And the generation needs to hear, until you put King Jesus in charge of everything, you are in charge of everything. And you do not want to be in charge. Do not let life beat you up, but let the word of God be a lamp unto your feet. Do not let the party and the, and the scene of culture teach you what is, you don't want, that's a hard lesson out there. If you learn on the mean streets of this generation truth, I, I, I can recommend a far better way to learn truth. You don't have to see it. You don't have to see the, the stuff out there in order to believe. You can believe first and then see. So we've got to rescue a generation, and we can't sit here and, and pretend that, that hold on, the, the lordship, it, however you heard it preached, just because you might have heard it preached a little heavy doesn't mean we shouldn't preach lordship to the next generation. Because, because I don't want to be lord of my life. And maybe that's the problem. It's because I bought into concierge Jesus and not King Jesus. It's King Isaac and Savior Jesus, and, and that's a tough go. Because I'm still in control of my life. But that's the difficulty. That's the difficulty of wealthy generations. You might not feel wealthy, but you live in the wealthiest generation to probably ever live, or at least one of them. Probably the wealthiest. And the problem with wealth is we have options, and we decide to be kings every day of our life. And that's difficulty, because Jesus gives us the right. He says, you can choose. And, and, and I, I created you in charge of you. And, and if you want me in charge, you have to tell me. You have to give me, you have to give me right to be Lord. I, and I think a lot of us wonder why God doesn't just like come and smack us up by the side of the head more. And um, we take 30 seconds of, you know, here I am, Lord. And we wonder why God doesn't swoop in and just take over. And, and God's like, no, 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 I, that's not how the kingdom works. And I'm just wondering if a lot of us are saying, well, how come the kingdom isn't more powerful? And how come King Jesus isn't more powerful? But he's looking for hearts like David to come and sit and enthrone on the heart so that he isn't just Savior. He's Lord and Savior. Amen. He's King Jesus. Now, they understood kingdom. There, this is one portion of the Bible I think is hilarious if you read about the kingdom in, in the book of Matthew, especially between the first 12 chapters. Jesus is teaching on kingdom all the time. And very rarely do the disciples see and understand what Jesus is saying, right? He's talking a lot about leaven and blood and all the stuff. And they're like, what are you saying? And Jesus is like, oh, come here. But when he speaks on kingdom, they, they track because they were looking for the Messiah king. Baby, he was coming as a king. And so when they finally begin to see him, they understood kingdom. They understood kingdom. So when Jesus began his ministry and said, repent, change the way you think, 
The, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repentance, again, is metanoia. It's not this emotional response. It can be, but it's a, it's a mental uh, being renewed by, by, by your mind. It's a, it's, a, it's a mind being renewed by the word of God that you were, you were obeying the Ten Commandments. And so now Jesus is here, and I want you to change the way you think and look at the Ten Commandments. It's not that the Ten Commandments don't exist anymore. I didn't come to abolish the law. Are you with me? I came to fulfill the law. So it doesn't mean these don't need to be done anymore. It's just how you do them. I'm going to do them in you. So instead of you doing 10 commandments, you do Jesus and I do the 10. Are you, are you with me? And so, But somehow we lose this whole, these things still need to be accomplished in our life. Just because I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus does not mean I don't need to be righteous. Just because he is my holiness and he is my salvation doesn't mean he doesn't want to come on the inside of my life and have me walk in consecration or have me walk in a separated walk unto him. Just because it's the Holy Spirit that makes me holy and nothing that I do doesn't mean he doesn't want me holy. But because everything had changed, Jesus said, now I will be the one that does these things in your life. So when someone says, hey, how'd you get your marriage right? You don't get to point to 23 principles. You get to point to the root of all of it, and it is the work of Jesus Christ and what he has done in your life. And then, of course, if you want to share some things, that's awesome. But it all comes from Jesus' work in your life. Are you with me? And so Jesus began to preach the kingdom. And, and he says in Matthew 16, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. It's kingdom, 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 kingdom. It's this whole kingdom thing that we're a part of. And there's this, there's this earthly kingdom, and there's this heavenly kingdom, and there's this war of kingdoms. That's what's happening. It's this war of king, And I don't want to give up rulership of my kingdom. And so God will we'll just push it to the nth degree, won't we? We'll eat and work out. And it's not working, so we'll give up a little bit of the food. And then we'll keep working out. And then we realize, well, we gotta, we got to upgrade the healthy diet. And we got to upgrade the working out until you finally begin to see fruit. It's the same thing with the kingdom. We'll hold on to our stuff for as long as it takes. And oftentimes, life will beat us up in trials because of our stubbornness and pride where we finally go, fine. And it's usually in prayer at a very dark moment where we say, God, I give you my life. Or if you've already given me, I give you my marriage. I give you everything. And it doesn't have to be this dark, dramatic scene out of a Shakespeare movie or Downton Abbey where we finally relinquish the keys to our life. But when we recognize who he is, who do you say that I am? You're King Jesus. You're the Messiah. You're the one that it's all about. And then Jesus turns to Peter and says, now that you've recognized who I am, which is where it starts, I now, because of that, will show you who you are. The real search for life is identity. That's what everybody wants. They want to fit in. We want to know who we are. That only comes from knowing who he is. And when you recognize King Jesus, he tells you who you are. And then he says, I'm going to build my church. And not just Christians are going to talk about it and people are going to talk about it but the very gates of hell and gates mean this the, the begin the central power it's the most powerful place of hell the gates of a city represented the power structure of that city the powerful structure of hell will not prevail would be able to prevail against the church and then jesus says i give you the keys i give you the keys to the doorway to the gates of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound where in heaven, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. In other words, what you do now has eternal significance around the kingdom, and that is what you're after. 
The truth of life is it's beyond cheeseburgers and vacations. There's something that you were created for called the kingdom of heaven. Then that when you begin to use the keys, you begin to do things that have eternal significance. And that brings you significance. Someone say kingdom. It's kingdom. He was always talking about the keys. It's not metaphor. I, I think what happened is when we lost Lord in our gospel, and maybe it was just me, we lost king. We, we sort of, what didn't help is that the kingdom is like. Jesus taught the kingdom is like, and the kingdom is like, and the kingdom is like. The kingdom isn't like a kingdom, though. It is a kingdom. But when we read the, 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 the parables and the, and the metaphors, I think somehow we lose, oh, the kingdom is, the kingdom is like a kingdom. No, 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 no. Back up, Charlie. The, the, the kingdom is a kingdom. Jesus taught metaphor to explain the kingdom. The, the kingdom is real. No, King Jesus is a king. He rules and he reigns when you give him lordship of your life. And so the, we can't be afraid of King Jesus and Lord and, and kingdom because our young people need to understand that this is not a set of rules and do's and don'ts. And it also is it doesn't matter what you do. No, it's how you go about doing it. And when you give your life to Jesus Christ and he comes in and reigns, he begins to reign when you give him everything. But you have to give him everything. We can't tell our young people, hey, you know, God will get you for sinning. No, he, grace, grace abounds where sin abounds. No, the kingdom is powerful. There's nothing that can go up against the, the, the keys of the kingdom. Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. But we've got to teach them that you have to relinquish the power. You have to relinquish, you have to relinquish and say, Lord, take it. I, I give it to you. I, I give it to you. I want you to be in charge. I want you to be powerful. This is a kingdom. And Jesus taught metaphor to reveal the kingdom. And this is what he taught. He said in Matthew 19, 23, then Jesus said to the disciples, surely I say to you, that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom. But when we read kingdom, again, I think we're reading, oh, this is like a metaphor. No, 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 the kingdom is real. It's difficult for a rich man. Why? Because of control. Because I have so much. So if you have so much, I want you to read yourself as the rich man. In historical perspectives, you are a rich, very rich person. So it's difficulty, it's difficult for a wealthy generation to enter the kingdom. Why? Because our kingdom is pretty cool. Have you seen my kingdom? I have a view of the gorge. I have chickens. I have a bear. I like, I have a car. I, I don't have to walk. I have a car. You just, just push a button. My car just starts with a button. Yeah. I got windshield wipers. I have food. I don't have to go kill it. Do you go? I don't kill my food. I just go to the store. Oh, but even that becomes hard, doesn't it? Oh, I have to go to Costco today. <laughs> That's how far off we are. We have to go to Costco that day. Instead of go hunting a deer. Bear, babe, where's my musket? We're out of food, right? Sorry, kids. Couldn't kill anything tonight. We're not going to eat. Now it's like the fridge is only half. There's only microwavable burritos and pizza, Dad. That's how far we've got. So it's difficult for people like that to enter the kingdom. Why? Because we got some pretty awesome kingdoms. And Jesus is like, it's my kingdom or your kingdom. And so it's difficult. But then Jesus continues to preach kingdom. And he says, Matthew 18, 3, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom. So we're talking kingdom. It takes this childlike humility. 
And life will humble you. But Jesus teaches very clearly, you don't have to have the rock fall on you. <laughs> you can fall on the rock. You, you don't have to, your teenager does not have to go out there and do every drug in the book to say, hey, dad, I think drugs are bad. Yes! We can bring the word of God and hopefully shed some light, avoiding people. But you know what? We're afraid to parent because we want to be cool parent. And their soul is dying. But we don't, we're reacting to the generation before us. So we just want to be like cool and we want to be friends. And they need a parent. They need a pastor. Not to condemn them or bring legalism, but to definitely preach the Savior part of Jesus and the Lordship of Jesus. That just so you know, baby, sweetie, honey, buddy, is that we don't serve a God like man. They, they don't come in and take your job and take your health and make everything go bad to say, serve me. That, that's not necessarily. Now, you might run into some stuff and you might turn your heart towards God after a hard season. But Jesus doesn't operate that way. He sits on humble hearts. Now, life might humble you, but you don't have to have life humble you to say, Lord, I give you my heart. Little children. So Jesus continues to preach kingdom. Matthew 13, 44. Again, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So this is our job is to help this generation understand that this is not the lordship, badship, legalist, this thing that we think that we're still dealing with. No, the kingdom is like a treasure hidden in the field. It's hidden. But what a man finds, and, and, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has. So when we see the kingdom, we easily sell all that we have. In other words, when we see the kingdom, we say, I don't, my kingdom doesn't compare to that kingdom. And so we say, God, take my kingdom. I want your kingdom. That's what this generation needs to hear, is it's not even something that they do on their own. It's something they see and they go, Jesus, I want you. I want you to be king over my life. Now, we might have grown up in a, in a generation that said, you need to go to church 48 Sundays a year. Sorry, buddy. How much vacation do you get? Two weeks. All right, you get two weeks, and you get a sick day, and another sick day. Besides that, I want to see you 48. That might be a little bit intense, but have we swung over to here to basically just go to church when you feel it's fine, we love you, it doesn't matter, but it does matter. It, it, so is, Jesus, is Jesus sitting? Are you saying, God, I give you my church. I, I, have you given him your ministry? I, I would just say, Lord, or are we, again, are we concierging? Hmm, I don't know if this church is for me. And yet you've been here for five years. And Jesus is saying, I, I actually want to be king in your ministry. I, I want to be king o, 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 over, your, o, over your time and over your family and over your parents. Would you make me king over your parenting style and over your future and over your plans? There's, there's one thing that's needed, and that is to say, King Jesus, come and rule and reign in my heart. And there's other verses in the kingdom. we gotta, we got to cruise through this, but ultimately Jesus was teaching the kingdom is so awesome. When someone finds the kingdom, the kingdom is like, it's not compulsory, it's not condemning, it's not some sort of outward force to get people to let go of their money. That's right, I finally got your money. Your time, and God's like, ah, give it to me. Ah, fine. It's not the kingdom. No, the kingdom is a, is a treasure. It's hidden. But when you find it, you go, the kingdom, the kingdom, the king. I don't want to be king. I don't want to be Lord of my life. I'm a horrible Lord. But in good times, I feel like I'm a pretty good Lord. And then life will humble you and say, Jesus, I don't want to be Lord. I want you to be Lord. Be Lord of my life. Be king of my life. There's one rule. There's one reign. And when he begins to reign, 
When he begins to reign, he reigns all powerful. The Bible says this in Colossians chapter 3, verse 14. It says, but above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. See, when God begins to rule, I want you to hear that word rule. Jesus came with one rule. Did you know that? Jesus said, I got, I got one commandment. I got one rule, and that's love. I want you to love one another as, as I have loved you. Why do you love people? John said it, because I, he first loved me. So we receive this love. We re that's the gospel. Receive the love of Jesus Christ. It isn't love God. That's where we miss it. No, he loves you. Receive the love. Repent, change the way you think and receive his love. Right here, right now, no matter where you're at, receive his love. Receive this one rule. And then love comes as king. Love is not God, God is love. The world tries to make love God. It is not. That's a false God. God is love. And when God comes and sits, when King Jesus comes and sits on your heart, he is love. Love begins to rule. Love begins to rule. It lit, he literally begins to rule and reign where you begin to love God supernaturally. It begins to be an overflow of your life. You begin to love people. You begin to love sinners and saints. You begin to love people in your family. You ever loved your enemy? And you're like, why am I loving you? Because he is ruling and reigning in your life. And then, G then in Colossians it says, so peace will begin to rule. A peace that doesn't make any sense. It passes understanding. But when King Jesus begins to rule, peace literally begins to rule in your situation, an unresolved situation. And it's the revelation of the reigning and ruling of King Jesus that can happen. And so Jesus says there's one rule. There's one rule. And this rule called love will begin to rule in your life. Love will begin to rule. Love begins to rule. At, at, at workplace, at, at church, at home, love literally begins. And if you can get love, the love of Jesus in your kids, they, they literally, I remember when, when love started ruling little, little Juju's heart and you could just tell he just wanted to not obey. And then, and you'll see love begin to rule in your kids. You're like, I think King Jesus is sitting on that heart. That's the saving power of Jesus. And that's the lordship of Jesus is that love begins to the rule. And so David stood as a prophetic. You still with me? We're getting somewhere. This is just the setup. David prophetically in the Old Testament said, is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Why do you sin? Because. Why, why do you get angry? Because. Paul talks about this. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I want to do. There's this war. There's this kingdom inside of me. But David was prophesying of Jesus that there will be a new cause that will come. And so Jesus stands before Pilate and says, for this cause, for this cause, I was born. Why, why are you forgiving that person? So now my because of the Spirit is because of love. Why do you go to church? Because love is ruling my heart. I love the body of Christ. I no longer see Jesus as concierge and Savior. I'm no longer waiting for the perfect church in order to say, God, would you rule and reign in my ministry right here at Activate? I'm no longer, I'm, I'm, I'm saying King Jesus, I, I hear. And so that's why when love begins to rule, you, you say, you know what? Why do you go to church? Because it's the body of Christ. Hey, why do you play? Because, because of the kingdom. Be, because he's causing me to serve. He's causing me to pray. He's causing me to love. Are you with me? He's causing, why do you read your Bible? Because love rules. I love the Bible. Well, why do you read the Bible? Because I love the Bible. 
Like I literally have to get up and read the Bible. That, that's kingdom talk. See, that's king talk. It's him. It's the king. The king is sitting on my heart and love is ruling. It's reigning in my heart. It's causing me. Everything filters through that. All of my discipline, all of my parenting, all of my principles. Everything comes through his rulership of love. Because King Jesus is ruling. There's one rule. There's one rule. So I can either rule and love people. My love is horrible. It's super bipolar. It's super like one minute I love you, the next minute I hate you. His love, when he begins to reign, it's 1 Corinthians 13. I have no record of wrongs. I don't know why I'm looking at you, Gabe. I love you. (laughs) His love really begins to rule. I'm sorry. He begins to rule. It's with this perspective that the disciples come to Jesus in Luke 11. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a transition of their relationship with God. Remember that verse, Lord, Lord, we, we did all these things in your name. And, and he says, depart from me, I never knew you. So that's what we're talking about. I was like, Lord, you're Lord. He said, oh, just because you say I'm Lord and you do some things doesn't mean that you've really put me on your throne. What, how, how do we know? He goes, depart from me, I never knew you. The Lord, Lord part is this relationship of knowing. It's an intimate word, Adam knew Eve. It's this intimacy of he wants to know you. So when you say, King Jesus, Lord, I, I give you everything. I don't want to be Lord of anything. I want you to be Lord of everything. It's through the word knowing, not what you do to understand if that's true. It's through knowing. It's through intimacy. It's through prayer. It's through, God, I want to know you. It's through this perspective that the disciples find Jesus praying. And it says they found him in a certain place, his place, consistent place. So they find Jesus praying. It's at this moment where they, they possibly pray their, like, first real prayer. Lord, teach. It's this cry. In the original language is this cry. It isn't, hey, would you give us some pointers? We're pretty good, but I could take an extra tip. Like, it wasn't that. Like, hey, you got a little, I got a good salsa recipe. You got a little hot tip for me. What kind of jalapeno peppers you use? This wasn't like a little hot tip. This was a, this was a cry for prayer because they recognized, just like the man that found the treasure in the hidden field, my prayer life is not like this prayer life. Jesus is praying intimately with his Father. Like, Jesus, the Son of God, is praying. And it looks fun. It looks exciting. It doesn't look religious. It looks passionate. There's tears. There's fruit. And the disciples come to this point where they're like, teach us to pray. We want what you have. We want real prayer. We're tired of going through the motions and checking the boxes. We want what you have because they recognize him as king. And so they're submitting their prayer for his prayer. They're saying, we don't want to go through the motions anymore. I'm tired of trying to fake it. I'm tired of being religious. I want what you have, Jesus. Now, the greater context is, is the story where Jesus is in the house of Martha and Mary, and Mary's at the feet of Jesus praying. She's at the feet of Jesus. This intimacy, this is knowing. This is knowing. And Martha is basically also praying because she's talking to Jesus, right? She's talking to Jesus, but it's, it's, at the, it's at the shallow surface level of 
there's nothing wrong with this, but we get stuck in this mode where we basically only pray when we're like, Jesus, how come you didn't do anything about my situation? That's what she's saying. She's saying, how come, how come you're allowing me? Don't you care that Mary's not helping me? And that's the prayers of a lot of us. It's just, God, where are you? What's going on? How come that happened? How come we go to Jesus when we, we have some trouble? And then she also said, change, could you help? Could you tell, I love this, could you tell Mary to help me? I love this. Lord, would you just change, Ryan? Lord, just change him. Lord, change, Carrie. Lord, our prayers are, how come you let this happen to us and change them? And so basically, Mary's praying and Martha's mad. That's what's going on. I love Jesus. He goes, he goes, he goes, you're troubled and you're worried about many things. And to the people in this room, me included, that are troubled and worried about many things, a lot of them are good. And, and so we justify the things that we have to do, right? Because they're the good things. They're serving their family, the church, the stuff. But then Jesus gives us this incredible, this incredible, and just get ready to, to pray in this place, to, to receive the presence of God. I, I, I just believe a fresh revelation is, is coming. I really believe that. I don't mean to hype you. I really, really believe the life-altering moment of when Jesus says one thing is needed. It's one thing is actually needed. That if you could pray, if you could actually pray in the morning, when you get up and you say, before I take a step into today, I need to tell my soul and my spirit and my body that I will not be king of my day. I will take off my crown in this moment and lay it at the feet of Jesus so that he, that King Jesus can come and rule in my heart. The reason prayer is so hard is because it's a changing of the thrones in that moment. That's why it takes a few minutes. That's why people, it takes mental, it, it, it takes your heart, it takes worship, it takes atmosphere. It's a closet. It's not on your way to work. That's pray continually. The closet is a time where I, King Isaac, meets with King Jesus and I submit to his lordship and say, Lord, I want to give you my day. I give you my family. I give you my finance. I give you my ministry. I give you my week I give you my month I don't want to be Lord of anything I want you to be Lord of everything this is the one thing that's needed why because the one thing I need to do is let Jesus do the Ten Commandments in my life doesn't mean they don't matter it means he's the only one that can do them and so we've taken the Ten Commandments off the New Testament church because Jesus fulfilled them. And then what are we left with? Everything is kind of try. So we have the Christian church really stuck in a buffering. How's your prayer life? How's your, how's your faith life? How's your church? And we haven't taught true prayer, I think. Or maybe we have but not enough where it's like one thing is needed. But one thing is needed. One thing is needed. It's one thing. I said, Lord, I want, I want revival. Jesus, I really believe, said, I, I, I want a praying church. Lord, I want miracles. I, I, want, I want a praying church. God, do this in my family. I want a praying family. This is the crossroads of the kingdom. When we cry out and say, Lord, teach us to pray. God, give us prayer. 
because even prayer is a supernatural gift from God. I want to give you prayer, and prayer is going to set you up for intimacy with Jesus and allowing his lordship to come and reign in my life. One thing is needed. This one thing will change your life. This one thing will change your life. I'm not talking about a prayer app. I love it. I'm not talking about some sort of routine. I love it. I'm talking about a chunk of time. It takes more than three minutes in the shower to get King Isaac off the throne and get King Jesus in my heart. It, it takes, I, I would say, 30, 45, an hour. I know we're getting into old school 1980s legalism here by starting to say that you need, you need this much time with Jesus. No, no, currency is not time. Faith is the currency. But God uses, just like he uses money, faith is what's really required. But our money is, 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 is the vehicle Time is the, but faith really is the currency. It really is what's required, but it requires a little bit of time. And and when you really see this as the one thing that's needed, you will not wake up tomorrow morning the same. Because what's needed over the one thing that's needed? More sleep? Nope. Nope. Get get your to-do list going? Nope. The one thing that's needed, according to Jesus, amongst all the things that need to happen, is one thing. He wants to know you. So how could I go past tomorrow? I know this is a little heavy, but how could I go into my week thinking I don't need to do the one thing that's needed in order to really know Jesus and to really say, Lord, I actually will not live my life. I cannot live. If I'm, I cannot. I don't need to wait for life to humble me. I can humble myself. I don't need something external to eradicate my week in order to come to King Jesus and say, Lord, would you take over? I just need, I just need the word, a lamp unto my feet to tell me there's one one thing I need in the morning and that is to become before the king and say Lord be Lord of my life be Lord of my money be Lord of my week be Lord of this church be Lord of my life be Lord be 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 Lord of my of my of my of my of my nights and my be Lord be Lord and the only reason I won't let go is because I feel like what I've got is good enough but the more I can see his holiness and I can see his plan and I can see what he has. I, I let go. What are you holding on to today? Let it go. He's calling us to pray. But it's New Testament grace. Hear me. In the garden, there was one tree. And you hear me talk about it all the time. I could, I could have done that. I could have done what Adam and Eve could not have done. Has anyone else ever thought that? Like one tree. And he didn't carry him just naked in the garden and unashamed and our only job was to name animals and worship God like that's Eden I could have done Eden Lord I was made for Eden not for Camus I was made for Eden and they had one tree I really felt God but when you look at the New Testament there's there's one tree it's a cross and the one tree fulfills and redeems the first tree I believe in the New Testament church The one thing, the one tree is prayer. It's come be with me every day. Give me today my daily bread. We don't like to talk about it because the Bible doesn't say you need to have an hour of prayer every day. So whatever it is, but it's that time with Jesus every day. It's the one thing that will literally allow you to sit in the presence of God that will change everything. It's the one thing that's needed. And then we see Jesus immediately praying. Because you won't see Jesus say something and not do it. He'll say, let's, the one thing's needed. And then he immediately 
Luke 11, we see Jesus in prayer. Don't let something steal this seed. This is your moment. Yeah, but I've tried to pray before, and I've tried to, I did this, this. Even right now, God's opening up your mind, open up your heart. He's showing you. Jesus had a certain place. He's going to show you. You're, you're going to succeed in the dethroning of yourself and the enthroning of his rule. The king is about to start to rule your day. I want you to start to see this 30, 40, 50, an hour. I'm just going to say it because this is just our church this morning, I feel, that, that, that you're going to get this, this, this hour in the morning. Four, four, five, 45, four, okay, I, I hear you. 45 minutes, we'll give you 15 minutes to get the, get the coffee, get the tea. And you're gonna you're gonna drag your Bible in there and and you're gonna and you're gonna you're gonna get your phone and you're gonna get worship and you're gonna get your notebook and this one thing that's needed, God's gonna start to speak to you. Not only his presence, but he's gonna begin to direct your business, he's gonna begin to direct your parenting. Your next parenting move is gonna come out of prayer. Your next vacation is gonna come out of God's gonna begin to rule. We've never given him this type of rulership over our life. They've just been statements of faith. But this is the moment where one thing is needed. I know there's a lot to do, but the Bible clearly says that Mary sat at the feet of the king and said, there's one thing on Monday morning. There's one. Th I know there's a lot to do, but there is one thing that is needed. Every day we gather in this church, God said, I'm going to teach my people how to pray. If my people who are called by my name will turn from their wicked ways and seek my faith, and pray God said I will I'll show up in the church I'll show up to the region God said I'm raising up a church that understands prayer because in prayer I can come I can inhabit the prayers and praises of people all we're doing this morning is saying King Jesus come come and enthrone come and sit come and be I give you everything. I don't want to be Lord. I want you to be Lord. And every morning you start in prayer. You are saying, King Jesus, I submit to your authority. King Jesus, I don't want to be in charge. I want you to be in charge. King Jesus, take my kids. King Jesus, take my marriage. King Jesus, take my family. King Jesus, take my money. King Jesus, take my past. You're my Lord. You're my Savior. King Jesus, I give you my future. I give you my life. I give you my thoughts. I give you my mind. I give you my summer. I give you my fall. I give you my thoughts. I give you my life. King Jesus, take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Take it. And in that prayer moment, you'll see. You'll see David go from kill him kill him kill him that's see that's me if, if i was king we give god our thoughts kill him or do this or do that and then you'll see david switch from him and what he would do then all of a sudden he changes you'll see it in the songs he goes lord over your god over oh lord you're my you're high and mighty oh lord as the deer pants for the water oh lord i want to awaken the dawn oh lord and they said i want to go to the house of god you'll see it switch from his kingship to the lordship of jesus christ to the lordship of god say lord you take over lord you take over lord you take over let's sing this this morning and let god come and sit and say lord i want to know you tell him you want to know him 
Lord, I want to know. I want the one thing. I want the one thing. I want the one thing. Lord, I want the one thing. Lord, I want the one thing. Lord, I want the one thing. I want the one thing, Jesus. I want the one thing, Jesus. I'm going to separate. Lord, I'm going to do the one thing. I want you to do everything. All I got to do is one thing. Submit to you. Give it over to you. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I give you. Give me. Separate that time. Lord, we give you our lives. Lord, I don't want to be king. I want you to be king. I want you to be king. I want you to be king. Take this moment. Let him speak to you right now. Let him just calm everything else. Let him change what prayer means to you. It's not just one thing amongst many things. It's the one thing that's needed. Therefore, it's the one thing that changes everything. Lord, teach us to pray. That's our prayer. It's because when the disciples understood it was the one thing that was really needed, they said, Lord, I'm going to need some help with this one. I want to learn to pray. I want to learn. That's why prayer is so hard. That's why prayer is it's, it's exchanging of the throne. Say, Lord, I, come and rule my heart. I want worship to rule my heart. I want your peace to rule my heart. I want your presence to rule my heart. I want you to rule. Just imagine yourself in his presence every morning. And why? Because you want to. Because you found the treasure. You found it and you sell everything else. Sleep, <laughs> my schedule, time, it doesn't matter. You sell it all to say, Jesus, as I found something that doesn't compare. Just 30 more seconds. Just let God speak to you. His worship team, just sing something, worship, prophesy. Just fill this place with hunger. Just let Take this moment, let God just, 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 just speak to you in this place. Jesus said, my house is a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer. It's a house of saying, Jesus, I'm going to learn. I'm going to learn how to say here. I'm going to learn to say, Lord, I need you. Be Lord of my family. I give it to you, I give it to you. And in, in a way that you've never been able to give it to him and say, Lord, I need you to be king of my life. I need you to rule. I need you to reign. I need you to take over. I relinquish the control that I have and I submit to you, Lord. I give it to you. 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 And God said, I'm going to give you prayer. I'm going to give you the one thing that's needed. I'm going to give you the one thing that's needed. I'm going to give you the one thing that's needed. You're going to begin to pray. Everything's about to change. I'm going to speak to you about your family. I'm going to speak to you about your business. It's going to be our special time that changes everything. God says, you, what you're doing is you're literally opening space in your schedule, in your life, in the most intimate part of your day, the morning where you're vulnerable, you're open, you're saying, here, 
come and take over, come and take over, come and take over. It's not going to be like it was. It's not going to be boring. It's not going to be awkward. It's going to be intimate. His presence, His word, and His leading, and His kingship is about to come to your life. And it's powerful. It's powerful. In Jesus' name.